Om Jnana Tirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshunitam Yena Tasmane Shri Gurvenamaha I'll continue responding to the questions sent by Dayan Taipabu of Kazan. Before doing so, um, just a couple of points. Uh, I was asked to visit various rural communities here in Russia. You could also consider inviting uh, other devotees from different parts of the world who are um, propagating Varnashram Dharma. Uh, I'm especially thinking of Bhakti Raghav Swami and Dhaneshwar Prabhu. Of course, Shivaram Swami is also very um, gloriously promoting Varnashram Dharma. But then he's very unlikely to come because uh, his, life, his life is also fully booked up. Uh, one of his leading disciples, Radha Krishna Prabhu in Hungary, uh, he's very much involved in the Varnashram mission, he could also be invited. And there's also another devotee who's active on, I believe he's, uh, what's his name, Karnamrita, I believe, from Brazil. Exactly, I don't remember his name. Uh, then another point I wanted to make. What is that other point? Oh yeah, regarding the uh, Bhakti Shastri course fees. Uh, I suggest that those who are much concerned with this uh, come up with a feasible plan whereby it could be uh, financed without having to charge fees. For instance, by uh, raising donations (laughs) and uh, Suggesting that to the organizers of these courses. Certainly we must take Srila Prabhupada's statements uh, that education should be free. We should take those statements very seriously. He did also say that the uh, Gurukul that he started in America at that time should be supported by the parents. Exactly uh, how it would be supported, what the, the mechanics of that was uh, was not discussed. But uh, that point, where they, they, they supported means they should give money. Yeah. Okay. Um, going on to uh, these questions then. In Manu Sanghita of philosophy book publishing uh, published by the philosophy book house or whatever it states that uh, brahmanas are allowed to eat fish oh wait a minute yeah yeah okay okay yeah it said that brahmanas are allowed to eat fish is it so in the original text what we'll changes if it is like that then please explain why there is such permission uh, of course uh, the possibility of Manu Sanghita and other ancient texts being interpolated, well, yeah, there is a possibility. 
Interpolated means you add something. Mm-hmm. You add some... Uh, yeah, you add something to the original text without and present it as if it is the original text. But even in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we have uh, instant, uh, the instance of... Uh, what was in the two? Vatapi and Bilval, I think the name of two demons, who uh, would feed the brahmanas with meat. And uh, their plan... Uh, for killing the rishis by doing so, uh, came to an end when Agastya came and uh, digested them, uh, digested immediately. And there are, uh, there, are, there are many, many references in Shastra to uh, Brahmanas eating meat, particularly that which has been offered in sacrifice, not just any meat from the butcher's shop. Uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says, Yagya shishtashina santo muchante saravakil vishai. He says that those who partake of Yagya shishta, uh, those who eat that, they become free from all sinful reactions. Mm. Mm, the general understanding of Yagya shishta is uh, a meat that has been offered in sacrifice. So that might be shocking to some of you, but there is provi- there is provision for meat eating. Not that all brahmanas eat meat, but uh, some did. It's not. Uh, it's definitely not recommended for Vaishnavas, with the notable exception of Garuda, who's a snake eater, and Jatayu, who is a, a carcass eater. Carcass means a dead body. It's a vulture. Yeah. Whether the uh, Pandavas or even Lord Ram at meat is uh, disputed. The Pandavas? Yeah, Kshatriyas. Mm. Yeah, is disputed. Mm. It would not be a daily activity, but time to time when there's a sacrifice like this. A, a major, major sacrifice. So that is stated in Bhagavatam that there is allowance uh, for within, within the Shastra for meat-eating, gambling, intoxication and sex. There's allowance. Because conditioned souls have that inclination for these activities. So Bhagavatam describes that the allowances in the Vedas uh, for these activities are not meant to encourage them but to restrict them with the idea that people can become purified from them. So, uh, that's uh, even even brahmanas, not all brahmanas, but some would partake of meat and fish, as it's mentioned here. Uh, it's also said in Manu Sanghita that to eat fish is, is just about the worst possible thing you could eat. So it's not necessarily that all brahmanas are, are, are free from that desire. Mm. Even, uh, but taking yagya shishta or food, food offered in sacrifice or food which is offered to the forefathers in the uh, Pitri Shraddha, that's considered pure, uh, but not pure in the sense that prasadam is pure. It purifies one of sinful reactions, but it doesn't purify the consciousness and, and 
infuse one with Krishna consciousness. So eating meat, according to the Vedic injunctions, uh, falls within karma kanda. And again, it is uh, very restricted. It's not like nowadays people, they may eat meat three times a day. Okay, next question. Uh, in our society in temples, there's a tradition during the program to give flour that's been offered to smell and to touch it to the forehead of the one who's smelling it. Was this tradition there during Prabhupada's time and how authoritative is it? Uh, this this tradition seems to be uh, in Russia, not elsewhere. Maybe in the CIS, also CIS countries. Does CIS still exist? Yes, theoretically. Yeah. Okay. Ex USSR countries. Uh, in my experience, this uh, practice was not uh, current while Srila Prabhupada was present here. Uh, touching sacred items to the head is a standard practice of devotion to show respect. Um, so there's no harm in this, but it's also not required. It's not mandatory. Okay, the next question. In our movement, especially in the Pramashari Ashram, the prevailing principle of health, sadhana, service. Is there first health, then sadhana, then service? What is your opinion about this principle? Uh, apparently, uh, well, not apparently, according to Dhananjai Prabhu, uh, one of my god-brothers, Srila uh, Prabhupada had told him this, that First, you have to see to your health, then to your, then to your sadhana, then to service. Um, because, well, let's consider this. Without good, uh, one. Let's see. Where shall I start? Um, yeah, good sadhana is required. Otherwise, without that, the service will will be doing it, but without thinking of Krishna. Sadhana is required, yeah. and we'll lose, the, we'll lose the inspiration to perform service. We may think that, well, why am I doing this? I could be doing, I could be earning money and enjoying myself, and why am I just doing this for free? I'm being exploited. And uh, it's also, uh, we all have the experience that in sickness it becomes very difficult to perform sadhana. So it seems to be a very sensible principle. First, consider health, then sadhana and then service. Uh, it could also be a, a very good excuse to turn our ashrams into health spas, uh, where no one wants to do any service. No, Prabhu, first I have to see to my health. And you come back two hours later when they're finished all their yoga practice. No, I have to see to my sadhana. Spiritually, the essence is service. The health of the body is uh, has no bearing on our spiritual Ultimate has no ultimate bearing on our spiritual position. So, uh, actually we should put service first. We should attempt to maintain good health so that we can serve properly. And uh, we shouldn't relegate the principle of service below that of health, bodily health. For instance... Uh, but we should keep a balance also. Yukta hara viharasya, yukta cheshthasya, karamasu, yukta svatnava bodhasya, yoga bhavati dukaha. This, uh, in this verse, Krishna says that we should be 
balanced in our activities of eating, sleeping, uh, recreation, he also mentions, uh, and work. Well, actually, it's not stated in the imperative. It's stated that one who is balanced in this way, uh, in, in, in yoga practice, they can destroy all miseries. Um, but then often for service, we, we have to uh, override health considerations. Uh, relegate it, uh, or, or just override means to just, yeah, neglect it. Uh, or give, give, great, give greater importance to the other. Yeah. For instance, uh, Janmashtami, on Janmashtami, the uh, pujaris will be very busy all day in various services, right up to uh, probably one o'clock in the morning like this. Then they have to be up for offering mongolarity. That may not be very good for health. They should take ex- for health. They should take rest, sufficient rest. But this service cannot be neglected. So this first health, then sadhana, then service. Uh, that's not the highest understanding or principle. That was stated by Srila Prabhupada to Dhananjay Prabhu. I suggest that he was uh, going too much the other way, that neglecting his health. In fact, I believe he uh, that was the case as he related the story. Brahmacharis are meant for service. All, all devotees, but especially it's mentioned about Brahmacharis. Brahmachari Guru Kule Vasan Danto Guru Hitan Dasavan Acharan Nicho Suhrida Guru What is that? Sudrida Guru Sevanam. No, I'm just forgetting the last line. Anyway, the purport is that Brahmachari lives in the Guru Kul, in the place of the Guru. Sudrida Guru Sohridam. Uh, and with a firm vow of uh, giving his heart to the Guru, he lives like a slave, performing, uh, taking a lowly, very lowly position and controlling his senses. Okay, so the next question. There are two opinions about chanting of the holy name. Only number one. Only congregational chanting, Sankitanis, Yuga, Dharma, and Sojapa is not as powerful and cannot help a person in Kali to get out of the material world. Number two. And Japa and Kirtan are both powerful to the same degree, which option is true. Uh, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, he did both. And the acharyas in his parampara, they do they do both. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his instructions, as found in Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita and Chaitanya Bhagavat, recommends both the japa and the sankirtan, the holy names. Uh, for instance, shadana uh, shadana tattva. Jaikichu Shokal Harinama Shankirtane Milebe Shokal from Chaitanya Bhagavat. We have Chaitanya Mahabharata's instruction that all uh, the goal of life and the means to attain it, all uh, facets of these two, uh, they all coincide 
or they're all complete by Harinama Sankirtan. Also in Chaitanya Bhagavat, uh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Prabhu Kahe Kahilam, E Maha Mantra, Eha, Japragiya Sabe Kare Nibandha. Eha hoite sharva shiddhi hoibe shabha sharva khan kohanam vidhinaya. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, I, what I just said is called the Maha Mantra, and everyone should chant it. Here the word used is japa, following the rules and regulations of devotional service. By this, everyone can attain full perfection. So always chant the holy name, and there's nothing more except this. So both are important. This is a complete speculation that the, uh, the japa is not required. I wonder why I'm even asked such a question. Is, uh, <laughs> what is it that uh, Prabhupada was wrong to give to teach us to chant japa minimum sixteen rounds? Okay, next question. If the, if a wife sees that her husband is a devotee but far from pure, de- from pure devotional service, should she personally take leave of her spiritual spiritual something, not counting that her husband could help her come back to Godhead, as described in Shastras. This could be expressed that she would reinforce her spiritual practice for higher purpose, sacrificing some family duties before her husband. I can't make out one word. Anyway, I get the gist of it. Uh, yeah, this is the kind of question that comes from people who have no exposure to human culture. There are many uh, wives who I know in India who uh, are very strong devotees, whose husbands are not, but who, without any contradiction in their mind, perform their duties to their family and their husband and their devotion. There may be a case where the, where the well, a, a, a great example is Srila Prabhupada's physical sister, who we knew as Pishima, who was also his god sister, whose husband wasn't a devotee. But there was no question in her mind of ever leaving him. She went through her life uh, performing her family duties and being a devotee. There may be cases also of uh, women leaving the family to go to a holy place and practice bhakti. But that would generally be after the children are grown up and married. Uh, What to speak of the wife leaving, even Srila Prabhupada, he found his family not conducive to his spiritual practices, but still he looked after them. He didn't, he didn't just leave all of a sudden. He didn't leave, he, he, he was, uh, only after many, many years he left them. The next question, is Babaji initiation considered the highest point for Gorya Vaishnavas? I don't have any Hindu question, I, in, in my list, the, the next one is about Babaji initiation. I, I don't see that here at all. Uh, maybe it comes up later. Okay, so question about Babaji initiation. Uh, is such initiation considered the highest? 
in connection to Mahanidhi Swami is such initiation from Mother Babaji's step up a step up or a or betrayal of our spiritual master the highest point for Gauriya Vaishnavas is to develop uh, pure love for Krishna whether you do so as a Babaji a sannyasi, a Grihastar or a a housewife is immaterial. Mm. This is a basic understanding of Krishna consciousness philosophy. The uh, status of, of a Babaji is uh, considered a, a good position for practicing Krishna consciousness because one is supposed to be fully renounced from the world and fully absorbed in bhajan or activities of uh, hearing and chanting about Krishna and serving the deity and serving the Vaishnavas and so on. To take initiation in a Babaji line which uh, does not recognize Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur and Srila Prabhupada is certainly uh, a grave offense to Srila Prabhupada by one who is initiated by him. Next question. Um, quoting myself that I had previously stated that dressing like Santa Claus for Harinam is unacceptable. In Russia on the 9th of May when the country was celebrating victory over Nazi Germany devotees went on Harinam with forage cups. I guess that forage caps. Is this appropriate to use such a non-Vaishnav attribute? Devotees were dressed in dhotis and saris, but they had this small element on their heads to be close to the people. What is a forage? What's translated here as a forage cap? What does that mean? A military cap, is it? Yeah, like a military. Uh huh. Of, of the, from the 19th, Second World War style. I see. Uh, interestingly, um, although Russia celebrates their victory over Nazi Germany, in the Western world we never hear that the Russians or, or the Soviet Union overcame Nazi Germany. It was the British and the Americans. And as I saw in the Kali Yuga Purana, uh, the <laughs> newspaper or the internet newspaper, the uh, Britain and the, the Western powers uh, because this was it this year is is, is the it's what the 75th anniversary they refused to acknowledge Russia's contribution they they they, they uh, formally or officially refused to acknowledge Russia's uh, having contributed, at least they could recognize some contribution. Not Russia, the Soviet Union, which no longer exists. Well, uh, we may come closer to the The people may like us for this. Um. For the people may, the, the Russian people may like it if our devotees, uh, they show empathy with the glorious Soviet victory over the inglorious Nazis. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, it's glorious. Just like when one big dog snaps at another smaller dog and the smaller dog runs away, the bigger dog is glorious. 
If my saying that hurts your feelings, you're in Maya. These wars between demons are, are, are just like that, fighting between cats and dogs. Uh, there are some problems with doing so, with with showing empathy with the uh, people by wearing such a hat. One major problem is that we preach and we distribute books in which it's stated that we're not the body. Uh, and that to think that I am American or I am Russian is ignorance. The whole concept of nationalism is animalism. So if people read our books, which we want, or they listen to what we say, we are supposed to say we're not the body, bodily identification is on the animal platform. This is our most basic preaching, or should be. And then people will say, well, how come you say this in theory, but in practice you identify with a, uh, on the bodily platform? It also may be that we become in that kind of consciousness, bodily national consciousness. And some months ago I got a, an email from a devotee in Russia saying, wanting permission or blessings to go and fight those Ukrainian demons. Why uh, he should join the Russian demons in fighting the Ukrainian demons? He should preach Christ actual Krishna consciousness and raise them to the platform of devotees. Mm. Feel hurt in your heart by hearing this? Feel free from bodily mm. exceptions. His mm. nationalism is very strongly promoted to, yeah. Karl Marx said that religion is the opium of the people. So uh, nationalism is another kind of opium. You have to sacrifice for the country. What does that mean exactly? You, that means that you are prepared to sacrifice so that some big people sitting at the top can get all the money and power and you think, I'm doing glorious work for my country. It's another means of psychologi psychological manipulation and exploitation. Okay, the next question. Uncompromising preaching and criticizing devotees are materialists, that they do well, foolish things. Recently, one devotee, apparently an approver of direct, apparently opponent of direct preaching. Uh, put out a fragment from Satsuruk Goswami's memories. Prabhupada said, still maybe I got proud because of my success. So the Lord shortened my pride. And I am a hot person. While preaching, I often use words such as rascal, cheetah. I did not make any compromises. They would say about me, club in one hand and Bhagavatam in the other. I preach like this. Question. Here we may think that Prabhupada is not right when he preached uncompromisingly, that he understood this and partially confessing his mistakes. Maybe that purpose was pursuing who put, uh, maybe this was quoted to give this impression. This fragment might induce one to prohibit uh, or the, the use of words such as rascal. Okay, so uh, I'm requested to comment on this. Yeah, Srila Prabhupada, he preached with the uh, 
Club in one hand and Bhagavatam in the other. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> it says here a club <laughs> for a complete analysis of this. Please read the book On Strongly Speaking in Srila Prabhupada's Service. Practically that book is an atom bomb for smashing all misconceptions about why we just have to look at people and smile at them and be nice to them and not speak strongly to them. Next question. And then we'll finish. Uh, it, is, it is known that strong opposition to the book has been from uh, the book Women, Masters and Mothers it's been from a famous Mataji disciple of Srila Prabhupada somehow it could be understood that a man could say something against this book but when a woman says against this book which protects women and propagating appropriate family values to women is difficult to understand could you <laughs> somehow explain this a direct participant of these events what could move women in this situation to bring forward arguments against this book, which is based on traditional family The devotee uh, who is being referred to is referred to here as a famous Mataji disciple of Srila Prabhupada. But if you call her Mataji, she'll become very angry. She insists on being called Prabhu, and uh, she is strongly against women being called Mataji. She joined ISKCON in 1967. I joined in 1975. I've been in the movement longer than her. She joined in 67. I joined in 1975. I've been in the movement longer than her. She spent many years outside the movement in, uh, in uh, many of them in directly involved in activities severely exploiting women. I don't want to speak about this in detail here. Uh, someone should describe all these things because it's a, uh, someone with such a such a bad past shouldn't be speaking about uh, protection of women. Anyway, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. What does it matter ultimately? We should try to see everything philosophically. It seems uh, not make all these into personal issues. Nor do we want to look back at the bad past of Vaishnavas. However, uh, if there is some ser- serious discrepancy on the part of the Vaishnava, then their past misdeeds may also be remembered. As in the case of Roma Harshana Sutta, who was elevated to the position of the speaker of the Bhagavatam before so many sages. But when he misbehaved with Lord Balaram, then uh, it was brought to, to mind that he, he has such a bad past. Or uh, not really a bad past, but that he's uh, would generally have been dis- considered disqualified to, to take such a position. Anyway, if you want to get into all the details, this whole controversy could get extremely nasty. But uh, it's best that we concentrate on uh, what actually did Srila Prabhupada want? Uh, what is his vision for, this, for, the, for the, social, the social direction of ISKCON? Mm. 
In fact, uh, from the very beginning, I, when I first received a letter from the leaders of the GBCEC, which whatever the executive committee or something, I don't know how that body came into existence. Sure, Prabhupada didn't make it. Um, that they were going to publish this resolution, but I could alternatively just withdraw the book from circulation. From the very beginning, I said, "Okay, let's discuss. Let's discuss." But they don't want to discuss. They just want. To, they just wanted to, to ban it and not discuss. What's actually wrong with the book? Let's let's be specific. Any specific passages? But despite repeated requests, they're just silent on this point which uh, is very disappointing and uh, it may make us wonder what kind of leader how what kind of leadership is there how are they representing Srila Prabhupada if they don't even they, they just want to take draconian action do you know what that means very severe action uh, without and they, they don't want they don't see any need to justify it on the basis of Srila Prabhupada's teachings just we said that's it anyway uh, I, I don't want to discourage you please all go on in your Krishna consciousness but uh, we we should not blindly follow mm. keep our eyes and our ears open and our hearts open also but be be careful Krishna consciousness is the only panacea for all the world's, world's problems. It is the uh, only path of auspiciousness for every living being. And uh, ISKCON is the movement which is meant to deliver this Krishna consciousness to the whole world. Uh, presently it seems that there are some very inauspicious facets of this movement. But let not that... Uh, discourage us from our determination to practice Krishna consciousness. And we can at least hope and pray for better times for this movement. Mm. Still there are so many good things going on. But uh, this is this is just one episode. There are so many things uh, but which suggest that uh, as Srila Prabhupada writes in his preface to the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah, I'll give that quote. I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember it exactly. That uh, human society at the present time is not in the darkness of oblivion. Is not. Human society has made great strides in technology and other uh, fields. And so there's so much progress in the world. But there is a pinprick somewhere. Uh, well, no, it's a metaphorical term. It means some, something is disturbing us. Uh, and therefore, there are you know, full-scale wars can erupt even over minor issues. Uh, the vacuum is because of man's not searching out the highest reality. And Srimad Bhagavatam can fulfill this vacuum. So, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, um, so there's yeah. So there are so many good things, apparently good things, but uh, there is a pinprick somewhere. There's something wrong in our movement, and therefore there's disturbance. So many disturbances. Bhagavatam uh, describes the churning of the milk ocean. 
from milk. If milk is churned, we expect gradually butter, ghee to come. But first of all, poison came out. So let us uh, hope that this churning of Iskon, there may be some apparently poisonous things coming out, but after the, after the poison comes out, gradually, gradually, so many things come out and ultimately there is nectar. So I don't uh, recommend or condone that uh, devotees become inimical to the GBC or GBC members, but at the same time, I must admit myself that sometimes uh, the things they do uh, just astonish me. Hare Krishna.